says, Lord, Aaron says, I'm Lord of the Thighs, Lord of the Skies, and soon enough I'll be Lord of the Minds. This is Andrew here, and I'm the president of Planet Oasis. Nate Dog. Yeah, it's Jake. This is Mike, and you're listening to the Five Wise Marks. Welcome to the Survivor Series. I'm Vince McMahon. And I'm Pat Patterson. Hey, Pat. Yes, Vince? Go fuck somebody. Be right back. <laughs> I don't even care who. <laughs> Who'd be Derek? <laughs> I don't know who that is, though. Ah, he's a heel. I think he, I don't think he likes Captain Mike Rotunda. <laughs> so anyway, we're here continuing our deep dive series from Super Brawl 3, the debut of Ric Flair back into WCW, turning it back in time to the pay-per-view debut of Ric Flair in the WWF 1991. Don't ask questions. This is how we want to do it. Yeah. I do whatever I want. Doesn't have to make sense. Because I booked the damn show. Yeah. What if I booked the show? I don't know who you are. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 1991. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm bodybuilding right now. Okay, Tara. <laughs> Tara Boulder. <laughs> oh fuck! I'm gonna put you on top. Oh, Terry Boulder. <laughs> we'll be talking a lot about Terry Boulder today. Yes, we will. As we. Uh, Transition into the Survivor Series 1991, a two and a half hour long commercial for this Tuesday in Texas, and it worked so damn well. And I, honestly, best commercial ever. It really is. It kind of feels like watching an infomercial from the 90s, and it was. How much would a 1991 pay per view cost? Uh, I believe, and I do not quote me, I believe it was 1999. No, no, 1991. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was Royal Rumble 1999, <laughs> yeah. Nate's favorite match. Yeah. Well, yeah, so you spend 20 bucks for a And they did commercial. say this Tuesday in Texas was a special reduced rate, so my guess would be it's probably a 14.99er. I would have to think after watching it, and Newsflash, pretty good show, I'm tuning in five days later. Yeah, for a Newsflash, not very good show yeah. in this Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> It reads like a house show. We looked it up prior to uh, going live here. Yes, and I have I have watched it. Uh, I'll give a little background because this was my selection for this deep dive series. Uh, this is kind of you know it's a callback to our very first episode of the Five Wise Marks. This is what really I first remember as my wrestling memory was this show and being very upset that Hulk Hogan's neck was legitimately broken. And according to Undertaker, it, it, it was. It was. I mean, Hulk Hogan sold it. I mean, he worked He worked Undertaker. And so to me, this is like, this since Survivor Series 89, like peak nostalgia for me. I've watched these shows on VHS hundreds of times. And I just wanted to go back and rewatch it and look at it with a fresh perspective. Uh, but then the addendum to this is this Tuesday in Texas, I never saw as a kid. Like, I literally had this two and a half hour long commercial for it. I didn't see it until the WWE Network came out. So I was at least 25. <laughs> when it, when, and, and I was like three when I saw this. So. Big payoff. Yeah, it was 20 years of waiting, and then I watched it and I was like, this is it? This sucks. No wonder I never saw this in Blockbuster. <laughs> no wonder they never did it again. Yeah, I mean, the, I don't understand the business aspect of this. It was literally five days later. Yeah. Thursday, Thanksgiving, Survivor Series. Tuesday, you have a house show in Texas that you just filmed and put on pay-per-view. 
That's I wonder um, if we, I mean, we're not covering that show, but I wonder what the numbers look like as far as buy rates and attendance and gate records, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I can tell you the buy rate is almost going to be impossible to find because early 90s buy rates are weird. Okay. Um, the attendance was 8,000, so less than half of what, of Sur- what Survivor Series was. Yeah. And um, apparently, so it actually says it right in the wiki, the buy rate was only a 1.0, which apparently at the time was very, very low and disappointing, uh, which, I mean, doesn't surprise me. You're trying to get two pay-per-views so close together. And under a week's time. Yeah. But, like we've been talking about, it's, it was a good infomercial, a good commercial moving forward yeah. on what I would consider... This is our second episode in a deep dive series, much better than the first episode that we already covered with Super Bowl Three, and we're going to be getting into it here right now. Yes, this Tuesday in Texas actually was never released on VHS. It was put on the WWF Super Tape, ninety-two. So that's why I never saw it in the stores because it well, didn't it exist. Yeah. Uh, apparently, this did about four hundred thousand buys, which today would be fantastic, but. Back then, I mean, WrestleMania was doing one, so it's... Especially we got Hogan working. Yeah, you would you would think you could have done more than that, but maybe if they had put it in December, or, you know, end of December instead, or just advertise the Royal Rumble. Right. Which, you know, Surprise was a great show. Our, we talked about this the last couple of years. Yeah. That, that Rumble, we always we will always talk about that yeah, Rumble. Royal Rumble every January. One of the greatest <laughs> of all time. So, this... Pay-per-view starts off a little different because normally, at least traditionally, Survivor Series always start off with Vince McMahon doing the Welcome to Survivor Series and then running down all the teams yep. and that very you know corny 80s Survivor Series music that I love. <laughs> uh, but this time it doesn't do that. It actually starts right into a recap, like right away, of Jake the Snake Roberts tying up Macho Man Randy Savage and having the snake, Damien, just bite the crap out of his arm. And I mean, Randy's selling like a million bucks. Liz comes down, and she's just bawling, just freaking out. I mean, put it over just perfectly. She really did. And we never get to see a whole lot of Miss Elizabeth coming up to that point. And then now... Because she was she was gone for a while. She was gone from the essentially from the Maker Powers explode, so WrestleMania five yeah. until just before this, like just before SummerSlam ninety one. So she's been gone a minute. Yeah, like two years. So Savage is putting it over. Miss Elizabeth's putting it over. Savage is selling, and let's really set it up here. So Jake's got Damien. Yep, supposed to be devenomized. Yes. Who really knows? Yeah, which, <laughs> I mean, storyline, he was not devenomized, but Jake said that he was. Right. And so it was the venom flowing through the veins is why uh, Macho Man could not wrestle for this match, and as a result, Jake was barred from wrestling because he took out Macho Man. Which really hurts. Really hurts the main event. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a whole different story. I just love... And this, this is still in the recap. Savage's selling of the blood loss, of the blurry vision, the yep. wobbly legs. Like, 
He it's dives the, at him and tries to swing and just completely misses. It's something like that. Like you really believe this man is hurt. Yep. The way he's he's flailing around like that. It's it's little, but it's not. It's it's actually huge. And as Jack Tony makes this announcement, he talks about the catchphrase of the evening, and that is at this Tuesday in Texas, all reptiles will be barred from ringside. <laughs> It's a legit pop for me. It just, yes. It's so funny. And they said it, I mean, probably 20 times on yeah. the show. Reptiles are barred from ringside. You know, Vince is saying, say it again. Say, say it, it again. again. Drive it home. They got to remember it. No reptiles. No reptiles. Ha, ha. ha. Bruce. <laughs> oh, just, shit. Tries to get an iguana. <laughs> Can't have it. You can bring a frog, though. It's an amphibian. The bullfrog. I mean, bulldog. He talks bad news. You can bring that rat. <laughs> It's just funny how much Jack Tunney's face shows up in this broadcast. Yeah, time. this is the Jack Tunney show. I mean, between this and then the controversy with uh, Hogan and Undertaker that we'll get into, yep. I mean, he is all over this show. Uh, I also had to say that at this point, I just wrote Gorilla and Heenan Hart next to it. Yeah, and uh, echoing that, I have Heenan, Gorilla, classic pairing. Just and so good. Just like how uh, Ventura and Shivani dropped little gems, this was much more filled with those little diamonds. This, in the- yeah, I mean, Gorilla and Heenan have way more chemistry than Shivani and Ventura. And as much as I love Ventura as a color commentator, mm-hmm. he was much better with Gorilla than with Tony Shivani. Something about Gorilla Monsoon just works. Yeah. I mean, Gorilla is just like that prototypical babyface announcer. And it works really well with the obnoxious heels. And they had different chemistries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Jesse would argue more logically and really try to get under Gorilla's skin, whereas Bobby's going to throw punchlines. He's just being outlandish. Yeah, and just so many clever turns of phrase and you know funny moments. I mean, he's definitely funnier, whereas um, Jesse Ventura's more of a color a traditional color commentator. But just sides with the heels. Yeah, he's definitely the heel slant going on. Yes. And they both work beautifully. Yes. And so we kick it off. The opening match of the evening. Ted DiBiase with Sensational Sherry. The Mountie with Jimmy Hart. The Warlord with Nate. Oh, I mean, <laughs> uh, sorry, Downtown Bruno. I mean, um, oh, God damn, I just can't. Harvey Whipplenate. Harvey Whipplenate. Yeah, Harvey <laughs> Whipplenate. That's it. And Ric Flair with Mr. Perfect. Yes, all four heels have managers. And only Sherry gets to stay at ringside for reasons that were never explained. Just because. Just because there's not that much room at ringside. <laughs> uh, and this is, as we said, Ric Flair's pay-per-view debut. He had been around in the WWF for a couple months. Uh, but he, as he comes to the ring in his robe... When he gets into the ring, he takes it off, and the real world's champion, that NWA big gold belt, is blurred out. <laughs> and you were wondering if, if it was going to be the same as what you remembered it. Yes. And it's true. It yeah. was. I mean, I remember it from the live pay-per-view broadcast, which I watched taped. Uh, my brother taped that very legally <laughs> in home use. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I watched it a million times, and I was wondering if it would still be blurred out on the later one, because obviously WWF now owns the rights to that title. Right. But, nope, they kept the original, which I love, and that's amazing. Uh, then we do have the babyface side of Bret Hart, Virgil, British Bulldog, and Roddy Piper. And, holy crap, Piper's over here. 
Oh, over it like Rover. Yeah, I mean, after Hogan and Savage, maybe the number three babyface in the whole company? I think that's a pretty fair statement, yeah. yeah. And first thing I want to point out, every single pairing in this match isn't a feud with one another. DiBiase with Virgil, Mountie with Brett, Warlord Bulldog, and Ric Flair and Piper. That was the entry feud for Ric Flair. So every single time you're in this match, you're always kind of wondering, oh, are they going to face off? Like, you know, the, the heel has somehow cheated the babyface. Right. Can the babyface finally get their, you know, their vengeance and get at them? And so the constant, like, psychology of this match that you and I both noticed, uh, do you want to go a little into that? Sure. I mean, we have the heels. If someone else is wrestling the babyface that's not in the feud that they're in, once they get tagged in, they tuck their tail and run out. Yes. And it happens time and time again, but it doesn't get old. It's actually a great psychology. It's great storytelling. They don't want to touch. They're scared. They don't want to, they don't yep. want to fuck with it. And, and the, the crowd gets it and pops every... So, like... Yep. For example, if Ric Flair's in there with Virgil, he'll fight Virgil, and he'll fight Virgil. If Virgil somehow tags Piper, okay. Flair's running to get out of there. Yep. Whereas if DiBiase's in there, he would fight Piper, but if Piper somehow tagged Virgil, DiBiase wants to get out of there. Because, like, that's the guy that's coming after me. Like, that's the one that I've somehow cheated or gotten one over on that they're trying to get up on me. It doesn't work and in, in vice versa, too, where uh, the babyface gets an extra jolt of energy. Yes. They just, they, they double down on it, whereas... The heels double back. Yep. And you'd see, like, if, say, Piper's on the apron and Flair's tagged in, Piper's, like, leaning further. Like, give me Like, he wants it. He wants it so bad. Yeah. Like, they really want to get in. And just, it's so good. And, uh... And it's really something like that that gets, again, we'll probably do this all the time. It gets lost in today's product. It doesn't make sense. Like, that is so subtle, but makes so much sense. Yes. Uh, this match started out real hot. DiBiase and Piper. I mean, going right at it. DiBiase's bumping like crazy, doing all his traditional bump. Piper's doing the rat-a-tat-tat. Yep. And then uh, Sherry pulls on the leg. Yep. And uh, it messes with Piper a little bit, but he still gets out and he starts beating on DiBiase. So she gets in the ring and jumps on his back and is like doing everything she can to try to get... Uh, one over on Piper here and like help DiBiase, and then we get a moment that would not go over well in 2021. Oh no no no! <laughs> Plants a, a big old smooch on her lips. Yep, and she just takes a bump and that's it. She's she, gone. She, she takes a flat back, rolls out, <laughs> yep. kiss. Gotta that's love it. it. <laughs> uh, See you, Sherry. But yeah, me, me too. Movement would not be big on the, <laughs> the non-consensual kiss there. Uh, that's a moment you could get away with in 91 that just, just doesn't translate to 2021. It does not. Um, I have written down here, Heenan already firing off with, with these zingers. Oh, yeah. You know, I really can't place one, but I just know he's so chock full of them. That there are too many for us to write down. Yeah. Like, you would have to go back and watch the broadcast. We'd have an hour and ten minutes of just Heenan quotes if yeah. you wanted to do yeah. that. But quickly after that, though, they're working on Ted's left arm. Yes. It, it, all of a sudden, it, it slows right down. Now Bret Hart gets tagged in, which he's not really featured in this match, and that's actually fine because you got a lot of star players in this one. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he's kind of the fourth star in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, DiBiase, Flair, and Piper are all positioned higher than Bret, and for good reason. Yeah, and yeah. even though he's the IC title, these are kind of the main event guys, and yep. he's like 
upper mid card guy. He's still a, a workers man. Yeah, you know he's he's a workers worker. But this is kind of the beginning of the build up to him at Mania Eight going over Piper. Yep. So this is like that build for him to get that big signature win. And soon after, uh, Flair tags in. He wants to do Flair stuff right away. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's doing the Flair bumps and what. Brett things, was not having that. Yeah, first one of the things I love is he tried doing the flare bump, and then Brett just janks on his leg and pulls him. He's like, "No, we're doing what I want to do." <laughs> Me legit like ragdolled him. Yeah, I, like you could tell Brett was frustrated because Flair was trying to do Flair stuff, and yeah. he's like, "No, I'm trying we're, to work the match. We're trying to do Brett Hart stuff." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, they didn't cross paths a ton. No, I mean they did have the obviously the title change in '92. But, I mean, that could have been, like, a few that really I would have liked to have seen more had Flair stayed in the Fed. But yeah, there's so many uh, matchups Flair could have had if he had stayed. Could you imagine, well, it's actually really hard to imagine, but, like, him in 93-94. Yeah. It's just a sight you just can't imagine. Because then, obviously, we'd lose out in the great Starrcade 93 that we'll talk about someday. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but Flair did get his bump in, like, ten oh, seconds did. later. Yeah. I forget who Hart tagged in, but Flair got that bump in. Yeah, I think it was Virgil, and yeah, he just immediately started, and Virgil's yeah. like, I don't know what to do. I'll let you do what you gotta I do. I'll go to Olive Garden. <laughs> Get that meat sauce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wrote down Flair Piper DiBiase Bump City. I mean, because they were all just... Hitting the mat hard. Yeah. And, I mean, the crowd, every time Flair and Piper went at the same time, the crowd was on a different level. Like, they were hyped for this opening match the whole time, but when they got in, it was like an extra level. Because they understand crowds. And they know how to uh, just get the heat if they need it, how to get the shine if they want it from the people. It just, if Piper flares in, you're standing up or you're you're sitting on the edge of your seat. Yeah. It's crazy. And I think this is a good time to point out that this was a Detroit crowd, which is always, always, always hype. Always uh, hype. For those local Detroit crowds. At the Jim Lewis Arena. Yep, <laughs> the Jim Lewis. That, great hockey player. Yeah, he was a great hockey player, <laughs> according to Bobby Heenan. There's one of his zingers that I can remember. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we remember the local reference, just like yeah. he talked about how no one lives in Detroit. And, uh, of course, Gorilla responds, I know plenty of people who live in Detroit. And he's oh, like, like who? Like who? Bobo Brazil. <laughs> great, great, very relevant re- reference in 1991. Oh, yeah. Everybody watching knew who Bobo Brazil was. <laughs> Big time wrestling. Yeah, like my dad and no one else. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was just one of those moments. And uh, this was kind of a weird match. It went a long time before we got even a single elimination. Oh, uh, yeah. We got it clocked in at 22 minutes and 48 seconds. Yes. And uh, the first elimination is actually Bulldog goes down at 10.55 to uh, Flair. There was a distraction situation, and uh, Flair actually came off the top rope successfully. Drops the knee. Yep, drops the knee and gets the pinfall. And then uh, same thing happens to eliminate Warlord. Warlord. Sorry, Nate. Yeah, it's, uh, Piper comes off the top and catches uh, Warlord while he's distracted. And that's at 17 minutes. But then at 22.48, what we get is everyone is brawling in the ring at the same time. Yeah, set this one up. Yeah, this everyone's was- brawling. And they're all brawling with their counterpart. So Piper and Flair, Mountie and Brett, DiBiase and Virgil. And Piper takes and throws, <coughs> ooh, excuse me, throws Flair out of the ring. He's outside, and they continue to fight, and the ref's counting them down and counting them down, and they're not responding, and they just keep fighting and fighting and fighting it. And eventually, you hear ding, 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 the bell rings, and the crowd's like, what's going on? What's going on? 
the announcers don't know what's going on. Like, who, who is someone eliminated? Is everyone eliminated? What's going on? And that was my first thought. I think everyone's out. Yeah. And then you get the response from the uh, Howard Finkel, and it says, The referee's decision is that every participant that was in the ring has been disqualified, except Rick Flair and your, or your sole survivor, mm-hmm. Rick Flair. And the crowd is just like, you got to be kidding me. And it's this such guy. A, such a good finish. Yes, it's so good. And Heenan puts it over like a million dollars. You know, he won. He did it all by himself. He earned it. And <laughs> he's the real world's heavyweight champion. Yeah, he's the only real, real, real world's heavyweight champion. And then you get uh, Piper after the match comes Clean's house, and so you get a nice little baby face comeback playing Piper's music. Yep, and they uh, they go out to Piper's music, so it doesn't make them look bad, right? But you get you know Flair said I'm gonna win, and he won. He got it. You know, he got his win. He got it by a cheat, by a, a, a fluke, but that's classic flair. And this is such a creative finish that it, it works in that capacity. And yeah. It it gets us excited. It gets the people who who want to be mad at it, really mad at it. Exactly. It, it's, it works to a T. No, it was perfect. And then uh, Mr. Perfect. And so I put, I, just, I love this finish. I absolutely love this match. And uh, you get a star rating on this one? Yeah, hey, I got a star on what it. What do you got? I got four. Four? Yeah. That's what I got. Hey, that's yeah. too sweet, brother. That's, that's, that's a four-star match. <laughs> I think that's consensus. I, I think Dave Meltzer can suck it if he put anything else. Yeah. I, Which actually, stall for me here. I'm going to pull up his rating just for... Well, speaking sake. of... Okay, so we, we, we touched on how uh, the, the savage Jake the Snake Roberts feud, they recapped it on Superstars. To start off the pay-per-view. Now we go to Gene Okerlund interviewing Macho Man in between the first and second match. And Macho Man's out there. We kind of talked about it while we're watching it. He's dressed up in green and purple garb with this <laughs> huge cowboy-looking hat like only Macho Man does with a green-ass feather sticking out. Yep. And he's got sunglasses on inside. And we all know what he looks like and dresses yeah. like. It was just... This one was so outrageous, and yep. then and then his voice kicks in. It just it's so ninety one WWF. Yes, it's it's unlike anything you ever seen. I literally wrote down Savage says absolutely nothing, and I love it. Yeah, like he literally didn't say anything at all. And then Liz comes out and kind of sables it. Yeah, uh, but the difference is like her voice was very wooden, much like Sable, but her facials and her body reactions were not. And so I think it comes off more genuine, even though the the, the voice doesn't quite work, uh, than it ever did with Sable. And you don't see the handprints over Elizabeth's tits. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so Meltzer's rating for this is two point five stars. Sorry, Meltz, I, I think you're way off on this one. And actually, I'm going to disagree with Meltzer a lot in this. I kind of glimpsed over the, the okay. ratings. We're going to have some issues, <laughs> me and me and Dave, because uh, you know we're best friends normally. Right, but this is the breaking point. Well, our last match, uh, a Super Bowl three, we had basically inverse two, where we had four, or one of the matches was four, and it was he gave it, no, we gave it two, and it was he gave it four. Yes. Now this is the the opposite. Yes, he gave the White Castle fear four star, and we both gave it low twos. Yeah, two two and a half. Yeah, we're we're on way different wavelengths with Uncle Dave. Exactly. And so next match, and this is a barn burner. Oh yeah, uh, Colonel Mustafa. Iron Cheek. Iron Cheeky. 
the Berserker, Skinner, Nate, and Hercules. Not Nate. Not Nate. <laughs> versus uh, Texas Tornado, Tito Santana, Jim Duggan, and Sergeant Slaughter. So, because apparently, you know, the Berserker, Skinner, and Hercules are like the foreign enemies, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, Texas Tornado. Carry Von Eric. Carry Von Eric. Over like Rover and World Class. Over, I mean, pretty over and, here. Yeah, too. he he did get some reaction, and it's too bad. Like we all know his story. This but. was right near the end of his run. I mean, he made it through Rumble '92, and not much off after yeah, that. He offed himself February '93 yeah. around Super Brawl. <laughs> yeah, I have to check the date on that. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe the same day. Watch that Max Payne match. Yeah, <laughs> that might have done it. And he's like, how uh, does this guy have a job, and I don't? Like, oh my gosh, but. You know what really took me by surprise? Tito's work. Yeah. Tito was still, like, going. He was in shape, too, and he was going a million miles a minute. Yeah, Tito and uh, Skinner actually had some really good, like, back and forth. Like, uh, Skinner, Steve Kern, I mean, he can bump. I mean, he wasn't really working a heavy offensive style at this point that was very impressive, but he was taking Tito's offense, and that was probably the... The best parts of this match were when those two were in the ring together. He took that bump and he like flew outside the apron and yeah. fell down on the, to the mat side. And it was like, I even commented on like, that was a pretty cool bump. Like, he just flew. And that's what Skinner's there for. Like, he just, he worked Brett here at Tuesday in Texas. Obviously didn't win, but. Yeah. Skinner, a.k.a. Steve Kearns, way past his glory days here. You would never know it's the same person. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have known he was a fabulous one. It's, it, it's very crazy to see him in that capacity. But here he is in 91, basically uh, basically helping people get over. Yeah. And then you get Duggan and Hercules Shenanigans, which is a real nice Mid-South callback. I mean, those two used to go at it in Mid-South 84. When when Duggan, Dugan... Duggan was the top baby face and Hercu- Hercules Hernandez. Hercules Hernandez at the time was uh, Cornette's bodyguard. And so, you know, top heel, stable-ish versus, you know, one of the top baby faces in the And this territory. is pre-Hacksaw stuff. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that's when it was Hacksaw Butch Reed, actually. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. Uh, one thing I wrote down. Uh, Colonel Mustafa just goes down to a regular old clothesline. Yeah, I got like, Nothing I, special about it. Just Yeah, I got Sheik first eliminated. Slaughter, he just takes Larry, whatever, he's done. Yeah, yeah, just just, just done. Not a clothesline from hell, just a clothesline in uh, 757. In, in any other match, he would just get right up. Yeah. <laughs> but since you have to go down yeah. in a Survivor Series we got to get match. four pinfalls in here, pal. Yeah, so you're taking a clothesline. Yeah. You take that payday. And so uh, then Hercules goes down to Tito's flying forearm. Uh, Skinner goes down to uh, a roll-up. From Sergeant Slaughter, I don't think I've ever seen him do a roll up before or since. I think he's one for one in that in that thing. Yeah, he, he's batting a thousand when it comes to roll ups. Yep. I do want to say Hercules. He gets eliminated, gets right up, walks out. <laughs> he doesn't, doesn't sell. Fuck like, it. I yeah, done. I'm done. My night's <laughs> over. Bye. I literally put LOL next to that comment. Yep. He just he's out. And then uh, Berserker goes down from a little double team action where uh, Slaughter Irish whips him into uh, Duggan's clothesline. Oh, the little three-point stance. Yeah, the three-point stance clothesline. And uh, Berserker kicks out at two and a half. He does, because why not? Yeah, because it's 80s. 80s wrestling. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to get my heat back. You, you got no heat to start with. <laughs> First of all, the, the fans don't notice. And if they do, they're just like, why didn't the ref get like, what is yeah. going on? 
And, uh, yeah, so that was the end of that match, and just, it was a match. I mean, it was a clean sweep for the babyfaces. Yep, it, and on a night where heels kind of reigned supreme for most of the night, you really needed a, a nice babyface victory yeah, in if, there. You, if they're going to win, they're going to win big, and they're going to win once. Yep. Because the rest of the yeah, the show uh, runs a little differently. Most of the rest of the show is just, yeah, totally, totally different. And so, I mean, what do you have for a star rating on this bad boy? Put a star and a half on it. Star and a half? Yeah, it's too two, sweet. Two for two. <laughs> yeah. uh, I somehow don't think we're going to have the same rating for the next match, but we'll see how that goes. Okay. Um, and now we get to uh, Jake Snake Roberts coming out, telling his side of the story. And can we somehow get that sweater? Get, get like a few sweaters? Yeah, so this is a full-on Bill Cosby sweater. Oh, yeah. And uh, as Bill Cosby has said many times, he was told by the lab that the drink had been devenomized. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't his fault. You know, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. I can't believe that guy's out. Yeah. I just don't get it. Uh, and he's wearing leather pants. Yeah, but you know, oh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> And cowboy boots. We got to talk, yeah, a little bit about Jake's outfit. So he's got this very fuzzy... Cosby style sweater mm-hmm. with intricate patterns and colors. It was very popular in the nineties. Uh, definitely looked like something Aaron Hayes would wear. <laughs> then with the cowboy boots, definitely, definitely something, something Aaron, Aaron Hayes, Hayes would wear. wear. Uh, leather pants, if it were tight, yeah, potentially. These kind of baggy leather pants. Yeah. they're almost like chaps. Um, somehow, some way, all that screams Aaron Hayes. Yeah, other than the, <laughs> other than the. The bagginess of the pants. Right. They're real tight. That would be right down his alley. Oh, for sure. Uh, mean Gene goes on to say, uh, was this an accident? The You know, the biting of the, the, the arm. Was it an accident? And uh, I love this response. Trust me. It was. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, it was. It was an accident. You know, even though he held it down, smacked the... You know, oh, yeah. Literally, I mean, just... Obviously, obviously was not an accident. And with him doing this interview with Mean Gene and then Macho before that, again, it is a huge commercial for Tuesday in Texas. And who better than these two guys, two characters, to talk you into the area. And two different methods of doing it. It works so well. And then he has another great line. He is the snake you should be worrying about. Yes. I mean, so essentially what happened is uh, Bean Jean once again says, reptiles are barred, Tuesday in Texas. And uh, he says, you shouldn't worry about the snake. I've always been the snake you should be worried about. That is, that's, that's some riveting stuff. That's classic. And he does it in that raspy whisper that really makes you listen. You got to get snuggle up close to the TV volume here. Yes. I mean, just classic Jake. I mean, arguably Jake at his best is this late 91, early 92 run that unfortunately does not give us the playoff we wanted at Mania 8. No. Because we had to totally blow up any plans for that just to ram Sid into the main event. We'll be rebooking it here in no time. Not tonight. Yeah, we need to. But we will. I mean, it's only 249. We can <laughs> is it really? It. We can squeeze it in. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so then we go to uh, another recap. Yes. Uh, a Flair, Hogan, Taker on Superstars. Uh, you've got the kind of funeral set of, uh, you know, Taker with the coffins and the urn and the sarcophagus. Uh, 
And Hogan's there for reasons to confront... Reasons uh, unknown? Yeah, <laughs> to just confront Paul Bear, and he's kind of... You know, kind of roughing up Paul Bear a little bit when uh, Ric Flair comes out. And this is where it gets really interesting because Hulk Hogan is is wearing the uh, winged eagle. Yep. Flair comes out with the big gold. Yep. I mean, and this time it wasn't so blurry. It, like, it, you could see, you they, could they were blurring it, but they you could missed see so you could see the belt. Yeah. And this is what I was talking about when we were watching it is... These are the the two most premier championship heavyweight belts. Yes. And here, Sorry, Kev, not the undisputed belt. Right. Here they are at the same time in the same promotion in the same storyline. Yep. And they're like, it's, they're rubbing each other. And it means so much that you have this guy, literally Ric Flair is, is cutting a NWA promo on WWF television. Yes. Right in Hogan's face. Right in Hogan's face. It, it's it's kind of Do a... Do you know how long I've waited for this moment? Goosebumps, man. Goosebumps. Uh, and we would have to wait another almost three years. Three years. <laughs> Two and a half years. Yeah. Before we would get that moment because... Why was this at the main event of WrestleMania 8? <laughs> well, Sid, pal. <sighs> I just... I'll never, ever, ever understand why this was not the main event of WrestleMania 8. I just won't get it no matter whatever happens. The second half of the segment, though, kind of yes. makes it iconic. It, it does. So the way the camera's set up, we have Hogan and Flair in each other's noses. With Hogan's back to the coffin. So it's kind of perched up, standing up there. And then it shimmies open. Door comes open. Undertaker grabs the urn. Bam! Smacks Hogan in the back of the head with the urn. Flair puts the boots on Hogan. And at this point... Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, your other two top baby faces. Yep. Come running out of the back, steal chairs. And they run Flair off. But then they both just cream Undertaker with steel chairs. Concerto. Yeah, early concerto. Mm-hmm. No sell. No. Love that. That's so good. And so they both like back up, like, what do we do? And so Undertaker tries to lean. It looks like he's gonna choke Hogan. And so they both kind of step forward, like, no. But he doesn't. And he grabs the gold chain with the cross and he rips it off Hogan's neck. And he puts the cross like right over his heart and drops the gold chain and walks away. A lot of symbolism going on there. Yeah, and, and Hogan, like you can see him grasping on to the cross. It's on his chest, and it's the last like scene you see from that. Just because Hogan's a great worker and a great seller. Yes. <laughs> he knows how to get himself over. Oh, oh yeah. Period. Absolutely. Yeah, that scene, that segment, uh, underrated. It doesn't really fit up there. I feel like it's not when, something that a lot of people it, reference. It's not. A lot of, it's not what they reference either. Meaning yeah. the Fed, the WWE. I don't feel like they talk about that too yeah. much. That kind of gets. It, it doesn't the get like the Austin three sixteen moment, right? Or you know the you can stick it, brother. Mm-hmm. You know, bash at the beach moment. Like it doesn't get on that level, but. But it belongs. To me, I mean, that really put Undertaker on Hogan's level. It did. It, it made him mean something. Yes. And so then we get to the gravest challenge. WWF champion Hulk Hogan versus number one contender, the undefeated Undertaker. So this is, first streak. Right. He. This is his, his first year anniversary. Yes. 
He debuted at Survivor Series 90. A quick 12 months later... World title match. World title match. You know how fast 12 months goes in today's market, it yeah. seems like? like Dolph Ziggler's been there 12 years. He hasn't accomplished More anything. Than, actually. Yeah. Like 17 years. <laughs> He's accomplished as much as Undertaker did that one year. It's amazing how that works. Yeah. And, I mean, the first thing I noticed when this match started is, holy shit, is Taker athletic. He picks his spots. He's slow. He's plotting. He's working the gimmick like only he could. And then, yeah, out of nowhere, lightning strikes. Yeah, huge clothesline. I mean, just... And the thing is, this whole match, Hogan can't take him down. It's, it's great story, storytelling within the match. Yeah, even when Hogan would mount offense, he would do like the series of clotheslines. He might stumble him, but he'd Taker's, never knock him down. He's doing the Yoko thing, right? Where yep. he's, he's waving back, and, and then he finally straightens up. Yep. And eventually, you kind of build towards the, the big moment. Hogan milks it for everything it's worth, is when he gets him to one knee. I mean, he gets him to one knee, and the crowd goes nuts. They go banana. Because Hogan made it work, and the way Undertaker sold made it work. And you just you have those moments, and eventually you get to a spot where Taker hits the tombstone. And to this point, tombstone had been one, two, three. You're done. Yep. Like, done. Kill shot. Like, nobody gets up from it, period. And he hits it. And he gets up, Hogan's already on his feet. He's hulking up. He's doing what we know Hogan to do. Yeah. And he does his hulk up, and he, and he goes through, and even that doesn't take him down. And he goes... He gives him the big boot, and that does... Does that finally take him down? No. No, I didn't think no, so. No, yeah. big boot doesn't take him down. So what he does is he rakes the eyes, picks him up, body slam. Finally. But at this time, we see Rick... Flair walking down that aisle. In full wardrobe. Yes, right in the robe, everything. <laughs> uh, and Paul Bear has the ref at this point. And Hogan's distracted by this as well. Hogan and the ref are both staring at Paul Bear. Mm-hmm. And then Hogan runs out and goes after Flair. And him and Flair kind of tussle a little bit. And he knocks Flair down. Because Flair was trying to grab the Winged Eagle belt and just take it because I'm a real world champion. I get both belts. Damn right. And uh, Hogan gets back in the ring. Flair grabs a a chair from Fink, sticks it in the ring, and because Hogan was distracted, Undertaker grabs him up. Right under the chair, Tombstone Piledriver. One, two. Oh, no. Before that. Two, one. Backwards. You got me, brother. <laughs> Next broken. <laughs> we will definitely touch on that here in about 30 yeah. seconds. Then, one, two, two, three. And to a stunned crowd, Bobby Heenan exclaims on commentary, It's done. It's done. Hulkamania is, is dead. dead. And to myself as a child... It felt like it. Like, I mean, obviously kids don't process things the same way an adult would. But to me, I thought Hulk Hogan's neck was broken and he was never going to wrestle again. It got you where it, where it counts. Where, it, where you it, had to keep watching. You, it tugged on your heartstrings. Yeah. And I never got the resolution to it. And, <laughs> and quite frankly, 
there never really was a resolution to it because Tuesday in Texas was a mess. Uh, so I had to wait until Royal Rumble 92 to figure out what the fuck happened. Yeah. And so, but just what a moment. And the crowd's stunned. They don't know how to react. And Undertaker and Flair, to their credit, just get, get out of the way. They get out of there and just go. And Hogan is selling for everything. I mean, he's not moving for a long time. And when he is moving, it's very gingerly. And Tony Gurria comes out. And Pat, Pat Patterson comes uh, out. And, you know, the whole crew of, you know, officials that always come out. Yep. I'm sure Shane was bouncing around there somewhere. Oh, he's, your neck didn't hit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, Hogan's just working this, working this, working this. And eventually, very slowly, with assistance, walks. He's just waddling back. back in the forest. Yeah. Back to gorilla position. And so the addendum to this is we went and watched an interview with Undertaker from 2020, where he was with uh, Peter Rosenberg, all of our favorite super fan. Uh-huh. And... Sh- Shelton. Shelton. Yeah, yeah, some guy that we have no idea who he was, and said like two words the whole time. And... So in this interview, he says that, uh, yeah, when he dropped Hogan, Hogan says... You got me. <laughs> you got me, brother. <laughs> you got me, brother. And Undertaker is panicking because he's thinking he just broke Hulk Hogan's neck and his career is over. Hogan's the golden goose. Taker's only a year into his ride in the WWF. Yeah. As much as his gimmick is don't sell, don't sell, no sell, no sell, yeah. he had said he was devastated. He was mortified that he broke Hulk Hogan's neck. That, yeah. that is his career. Yep. And so he gets to the back. And Hogan gets to the back. And he wants to go find him to be like, Hey, brother, sorry I dropped you. you. Are you okay? And everyone's telling him, Well, he's laying on the floor in Vince's office. Which it is the last thing you want to hear. But it's such a Hogan thing. It's to, such a Hogan thing. Uh, and he goes in there and he tries to check on him. And as he does, the paramedics start trying to come in. So Undertaker has to disappear. Kayfabe. And so he's hiding behind like a partition with Shane. And Shane's like didn't didn't come close. Like you're fine. Like he never never his head never touched touched the chair. You're fine. And Taker was saying he just wasn't having it. Yeah. I broke Hogan's neck. He didn't want to hear it. I mean, he's screwed. Yeah. And he just hears him just talking, you know, get my wife and kids on the phone. Like he's dying. <laughs> like he's just he's dying here. <laughs> and just so overdramatic. So Hogan. It is so Hogan. And, I mean, Hogan's probably sitting here like, I'm working these EMTs. They're going to buy this Tuesday Texas. Texas. Like, <laughs> I guarantee that's like what Hogan's doing here. And, apparently, Undertaker didn't see Hogan for the next five days. They were just working house shows and Hogan wasn't there. Hogan's selling the injury. Pulls <laughs> <laughs> to the crowd and Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> he was selling that injury. And apparently all the boys are like, no, 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 he's, no, he, the, you never heard him, he's fine. And Undertaker's like, I don't, I, I mean, he's saying it, he's like, I can't tell Hulk Hogan he's lying. Yeah, like, he's the golden goose, how, he's, he's the man. Yeah, and so apparently he confronts him and Hogan's like, well, you, you squeeze me too tight, brother. And my neck had nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah, which makes no sense. <laughs> and, and so, you know, Undertaker said, oh, I, at that point I got it. He's like, I see what was happening here. Yep. And, Hogan's the worker. Yep. Uh, Hogan says, Hogan goes. But one little uh, detail we missed 
is Taker gets there at noon. Yeah. To um, Survivor's here here in Detroit. And Hogan usually shows up four or five o'clock doing Hogan things, yep. doing top guy things. And Hogan beats him to, to the Jim Lewis Arena. Yeah, the Jim Lewis Arena. Famous. And so Taker, Hogan's there. You know, Hogan's telling Taker, you know, my neck's hurt. It's just been bothering me. And uh, they talk about the match. And he's assuring Hogan that I got you. Like, yeah. You won't get hurt. Like, I pride myself on this. I promise you, you can trust me. And then they go about their way. And so every time Taker sees Hogan, he's like making gestures at his neck. It's only Hogan would. Like, yeah. it's such a, like, that's why I believe it, because those are Hogan things. Everything that everything Undertaker said sounds exactly like classic Hulk Hogan. Like, Hogan's working it already, and yep. it's noon. Yeah. Like, oh. Hogan knew what the finish was going to be. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to work the snack, brother. Yep. And I'm gonna work Taker, and just the way Taker described it and showed it to like the viewing audience, it just is so funny. It's so comedic. It's so Hogan. It is. And so, what what do you have as a rating for this? I I really like this match, and I'll tell you why. For another reason, we didn't really discuss. Um, oh yeah, Paul Bear. Paul Bear's facials, the way he conducts himself ringside. Oh yeah! I mean, he played a crucial part in this match, and obviously in a lot of Taker's matches moving yes. forward. Um, nothing. I'll get to it. This was a championship match that went on mid card, mid card third, and we we know why that that, that you know that was the case because Hogan's losing. Yeah, you can't, can't send the crowd home with a Hogan loss. It's it's good booking. Yes. It really is. Uh, I got three and a half stars. Okay. And that's very solid rating. And I went in a different direction. Okay. What you got? Fuck it. This is exactly what I wrote. Fuck it. Five. Five stars. Damn. This this segment, this match, is why I'm a wrestling fan. I mean, to me, you know, was it the, the most technical match? No. Didn't have to be. Uh, but the crowd was into it. It did everything it needed to do. It set up. Arguably one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania or in wrestling history, which was Royal Rumble '92. Yes, this yep. laid the groundwork for that match, and quite frankly, this laid the groundwork for Undertaker to be a main eventer for the next twenty-five plus years. And it's the irony is really thick because he thinks he his, career his career is over, done. But in fact, his career was made. Absolutely, like he was. In, he never, ever, ever dropped below main event status after this ever again. And honestly. Hogan's going down that slippery slope starting right about now. I mean, he was still relevant in huge yeah. 92, but he, I, he goes away in late 92. He goes away after Mania, basically, yeah. I mean... Comes back, you know, let's just talk let's, about Mania 9 for a second, and then, hey, who won the Brett Yoko match? Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, because I mean, Hogan never, ever, ever after, let's say Mania 8, really, he was never again the face of WWF. No, his run as the main event in Mania, and I, you don't count nine. You just, no. you just don't. Even though his his Fu Manchu is there at the yeah. end, but he wasn't the face of the company anymore. He was not the face that runs the place. Yeah, and even when he came back in two thousand two and won the world title, it I wasn't mean, his company. It no wasn't more. his company anymore. I mean, and yes, he would go on and WCW was company for four years. Yeah, five, well, five six years. Yeah. And but he was never that way again in WWF. It was 
you know, Taker's company or Austin's company or, or Rocks Brett or Sean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all those other guys, you know, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> Triple H's company. Actually, it's, it's mine. No, it's really Triple H's company. <laughs> it is. But it's funny, the the Golden Goose comes back and he's somehow tertiary, secondary yeah. to to the guys. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't fault you for saying five stars. It, it, it's, very it, it means a lot. Me. It means a lot to you, and it means a lot to the wrestling business. And uh, I want to go pull up Dave Meltzer here. Uh, first Ooh, of all, he okay. gave uh, three-quarters star to the match before that. Where we said one and a half? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, this uh, is one half. One half star. That's it. Taker Hogan? Yep. Because didn't have high spots. That I like. I like half a star. Stars. Half star. One half of one star. Are we watching the same product? Obviously not. Wow. This is a skinny manga. High spots. Yeah. I'm doing hand gesturing right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> finger, finger pointing. Yeah. I, you know, I used to have a little bit of uh, respect for Dave and valued his opinion. This is years and years and years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with each passing day, each passing year, the, his fanboyish AEW bullshit. And those. I like AEW to a degree, and a lot of it I don't. But the way he, it just—that's a whole other episode. But yeah. Uh, long story short, I have basically no respect for Uncle Dave Meltzer. Yeah. And just and you go back and watch and look at some of his older ratings too, and it's like, yeah, this guy's always kind of had an agenda. Like he never liked the Hogan matches, no matter what. Nope. And he always liked the high spot matches. So and. Hey, to his credit, he did go and watch all the New Japan, All Japan stuff, yeah. and Michinoku, and whatever, Super J-Cup, where we didn't watch it. No. I mean, he's clearly a fan of Japanese wrestling. Yes. And that has infiltrated, you know, our market, U.S. market these days. Exactly. And that's where it's at for him. So, and I can't get behind all that, and that's where our yep. opinions divide, and it will always be that way. Yeah, and so... This point of the show, the show kind of, I think in, in, in real life, in the, the arena, they did an intermission at this point, uh, but it goes to a lot of promos. Yeah. And the first one is Roddy Roddy Piper, and wow, is he on fire. It's, it, like, this is classic Piper stuff. Like, yes. You want to go back and watch a documentary on <laughs> Piper, yeah, his, his inhaling where he can't catch his breath, that is very vintage Piper. Like, he is... On a five-star level himself with promos yes. right now. And I just love that he's talking, Ric Flair, Undertaker, your time is coming. Yes. Ding dong. Ding dong. I'm assuming he's trying to do funeral bells. Yeah. And he's just trying to set the stage. Like, you two are you're going to get it for what you've done here today. What you did here was an injustice. And it will be fixed. You know, Piper's and you believed gonna, it, yeah, or you believe he believed it. Piper's gonna get Flair, and Hogan's gonna get Taker. Mm -hmm. It's gonna happen. And you're like, goddamn right, it's gonna happen. Yep, Piper said it. So then you go to the other side of Mister Perfect and Ric Flair, and with Sean Moody doing the uh, oh, there he is right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Perfect hurt right now. He's in his little pink fucking Ico Pro yep. tracksuit, whatever he's in. <laughs> but Flair. Again, and I said it before, he is in such NWA promo mode. Yes. And it's so good. He's, I was telling Mike when we were, I'm getting a headache watching his headache happen. Like, yeah. his eyes are bulging out, his face is getting red, his teeth are showing, he's gritting, he's 
smiling. Same kind of promos he cut for years next to Tony Schiavone at center stage. Yep. And full flare mode. Yes. And, and there's nothing like it either. And if I wasn't already sold on the fact that I wanted Flair and Hogan, this promo, I mean, he talks about all the years looking at Hulk Hogan and everybody talking about Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan. And he's like, I've wanted the chance to prove myself against you and I'm going to get it because I'm the real world's champion, not you. And just, you want to see it so bad. And when you finally got it, it was too late. It was good. In 94 Bash. But, but know, it was not what it would have been at Mania. I mean, they're obviously planting those seeds to Mania. And you get a five-month build to it. Like normal, like normal early Fed yeah. stuff. I mean, pull, pull wrestling fans. Pull 100 wrestling fans. Pull 1,000 wrestling fans. They will all tell you that they wanted to see that match. Yes. Only one person didn't want to see it. And he'll tell you that no one else well, wanted bro, to see brother, it. There's two, two oh, people. two people. I, I didn't want it. Well, oh, my neck was still broken. Yeah, yeah. You take broke my neck, so I had to work to sit, dude. It's it. It sucks, man. It sucks that we never got that at that. I time. feel like that would have been one of those iconic moments, right up there with Rock Hogan mm-hmm. or uh, you know, Lawler uh, Cole, <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, Warrior Rock or Warrior Hogan or. I mean, all of these are Hogan stuff, so it's, it, make, it makes it hard. Yeah. Or, or, or say, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. You know, one of those, like, iconic WrestleMania moments that you, you always just, look back You just on. know that, that that would be a match that would be talked about 30 years Probably. later. You just know. It, it, it's a stone-cold truth. It's Whereas a fact of life. the only reason people talk about Hogan said is the botch finish. Yeah. That and the only reason we talk about it is because we want we talk about Flair. Should yeah, be, how we didn't should, want this. Yeah, match. how we didn't want it. And then we watched it and we really didn't want it. Yeah, it just proved our theory to be true. Yes, uh, which then brings us to our fourth match of the evening: the Bowen Bo Blake, the Beverly Brothers, <laughs> also known as the Destruction Crew, Mike Enos, Wayne Bloom, mm-hmm. the Mauler, <laughs> yeah. uh, and the Nasty Boys, whose gimmick never changed from 1986 to 2021. The same look. Yep. They were 55 when they were 23. Yeah. And they're 55 when they're 65. Yep. <laughs> uh, versus the Rockers and the Bushwhackers. Which, I, I said this to you at the time, and there's a lot of people, and I'm sure Dave Meltzer's one of them, that, uh, Bushwhackers, it was goofy, it wasn't serious, like the Sheep Herders. Right. And they're past their prime. Honestly, if you don't like the Bushwhackers, you just don't like fun. They're fun. I like watching them. No, I don't want to see them watch uh, have a forty minute chain wrestling match. That that's not what we're saying here. But, what we're saying is it's all the stuff that's happened previously in the pay per view means a lot. Yes. And we know the Bushwhackers are like they're that comedy thing. Like they're in good shape. They need something to bring the mood up for one. They're that. Yeah. They had this gimmick where they Start woeing and start doing the strut and the walk. Like people emulate that, and the people love to do that and talk about it. It really and they lick foreheads and shit. Like yeah, they love that shit. Ninety one, like that was a thing. Yeah, the battering ram, and I mean they were just so different. Nobody else was like them. No, nope. you know they're not going to win many, if any, matches. You know they're there to have a good time and to make the crowd go home happy. And that's it. It's about crowd participation. Yeah. But I will say, quite frankly, 
Uh, Butch starts the match off with knobs, and they actually have a pretty good brawl. They were doing a little bit of hitting the ropes. A little and, stiffsy. Yeah. Which was nice to see. Like, oh, they can do that if they want. Yeah. And then they go, then they'll revert back to, let's do some nasty boy stuff and bushwhacker stuff. Yeah. And it was okay. We'll do your shtick. Exactly. And, I mean, especially this time, both teams were kind of new in their roles in the WWF. So it was kind of novel and it was interesting. And it was like, yeah, they're getting their stuff in. But it was it was entertaining. And then the, on the other side of that, it was almost like two wrestling matches within the same match. Yes. Because you have the Rockers and Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, and the Beverly Brothers with Enos and Bloom. Bloom. And so when any of those two uh, would, would tango... Then you've got to have like a high-speed you know, flying mm-hmm. match. It was a tale of two wrestling matches within the same match. Yeah. And it, for me, it worked. Like, uh, it... The time went 23 minutes and 6 seconds. It didn't feel like it was the longest match in the show. Not at all. And we kept on saying while we're watching it, I'm not bored by this at all. I mean, it it, it may have dragged a little, but not... And I'm usually bored with Nasty Boy matches. Yeah. If you would have told me these four teams went 23 minutes, I would have been like, oh. But it didn't actually feel that way. It did not feel the way at all. And I loved, especially when you got Sean and Enos at the same time, they had some really good segments where they were going back and forth. Let me ask you a question here. This is 1991, Shawn Michaels. Can you see like a budding, rising star here in this performance or in this year? Or are you surprised to, to see what Michaels became later on? Like just look yeah. at just look at a year later, right? Yeah. Well, so what I would say is, looking back on it now with my eyes, now mm-hmm. you can see it. In the finish of this match, and the way it happened, uh, at the time, I saw Sean was being a prick to Marty, and I didn't understand it. Right. And I was just like, "Why is he being such a cry? Why is he being a bad guy?" Is really what I was thinking. And it wasn't until you got the barbershop segment that really it was like, "Okay, now I see a star." And it's we'll just talk about it. It's, Pretty unfortunate. I mean, Martin Gennetti really shot himself in the foot a lot. Yes. He did not help his cause, his case with promoters. How about that blow-off match at WrestleMania 8? Right. Sean. That will be a match. Yeah. Don't get in trouble, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but cause I will say here, and you can disagree if you want, Marty looked really good in this match, yes. too. And just like, just like Sean did. Yeah. Like, I saw a star in Marty, too. And I think and the thing is, at the time, that's the guy they wanted to launch. You notice it because Sean's the one that takes a kind of weak pinfall, mm-hmm. turns heel, and leaves. And then Marty is the martyr out there yeah, in the ring. Yeah, three-on-one mm-hmm. and actually winning until the Nasty Boys cheat. They're up three-to-one and they had to cheat to beat him. I mean, classic heel shit, but still, even you, you gain sympathy on Marty. Yeah, you know, and he put on a good performance. I think that was a really good showing for yeah. for uh, Sean and Marty and uh, Wayne and Mike. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, the Beverly Brothers gimmick was dead on arrival. Like they were yeah. never going to get over with that gimmick. There's nothing you can do. I think that's a classic case of let those guys be who they are, and don't label don't label them this, don't give them yeah. that. It, if they could have been the same team that were in the AWA, they would have had a much better run. I'm not saying they would have been, you know. The future main event team or whatever, mm-hmm. but they could have been a team that hang around till you know ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight in the Fed. 
where, where they could have in the tag title picture where they could have used them. Right? Yes. In '96, Fed they needed someone like that. That would have been a great feud with Owen Davy. <laughs> Winner could have been the best tag team in the world, and yeah, or, or smoking guns. <laughs> yeah, third. Yeah. Well, um, wouldn't you have to think that the Midnight Rockers and uh, the Minnesota or what, what the Destruction Crew? Destruction. They probably worked in AWA together, right? I don't think so. I you think know? I think Bloom and Enos came after they left. So this is really late AWA. Yes, they were this like, is like dying days. They were ninety ninety one. Like they because so AWA is dead ninety one, right? Dead in early ninety one. Yeah. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, they were basically fresh out of the AWA when they were in this. Oh damn! Gimmick. The and two ships like, passing in the night. I'm I'm happy they yeah. they locked up Pure Survivor Series. Yeah, no, series. It, it worked. And uh, so I think at this point, kind of kind of wrap that finish up, but. What happens is both Rockers are in the ring with both Nasty Boys, and Sean's beaten on Sags. Right. And uh, Marty goes to pick Knobs up for a slam, and when he does... Or no, I'm sorry, it was the other way around. Uh, Sean's beaten on Knobs, and Sags is the one that's getting picked up for the body slam by Marty. And when Marty picks him up, foot hits Sean right in the face. He rolls backwards. Knobs rolls him up. One, two, three. Three. Sean's eliminated, but he's not mad at the Nasties. He's mad at Marty. So th- here's your first dissension. Your first... Uh, the first time Sean lost his smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. It really is. And yeah, he's screaming at Marty, screaming at Marty. It, it, it wasn't just a five-second, ten-second tirade. No. It was a multi-minute deal going on where he was losing his cool. Yes. And, you know... I like not that we didn't know what was going to happen because yeah. we know now. But thirty years in the future, we know what happened. Yeah, but it set the stage for another iconic moment in wrestling history. It did, and interesting to note, this is the only time in this entire episode, this entire pay per view, they showed a replay of in ring action. Because I was dying for replays throughout the whole show. Yeah, there would have been a couple good times, but then this, I mean, because you. Missed the kick, but you saw the pinfall. Yeah. So I looked up, I was taking notes, and I'm like, all right, I see it. Michael's got pinned. Even Gorilla missed it. Yeah. Because Gorilla was like, he just walked off. No, no, he got pinned. <laughs> I had to think he wasn't working that. Yeah. I think he actually missed it. I know Gorilla missed it for sure. I 100% believe that Gorilla missed that because he, he should have known, but he, he just didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, because there was so much going on. He watched the slam, not the pin. Right. Because it all happened at the same time. And so, I mean, let's wrap this one up. What, what do you got for this guy? Uh, I got two and three-quarter star. All right. I went two two and a half. Yeah. I mean, right in the middle, it was a good match. Yep. Not a great match. Not one you have to go out of your way to watch. But if you're watching it, you'll enjoy it. You'll yeah. find some good things. It definitely was not boring. No. Which then brings us to uh, dueling promos from our main event. The Natural Disasters and IRS with... Jimmy Hart, uh, give their little promo, which is, and I mean, kind of unremarkable. Yeah, it was pretty forgettable. Uh, IRS called Jack Tunney Paul Tunney. Paul Tunney. And yep. then... And talked about how he was going to, you know... Audit his taxes. Uh, audit, audit the taxes of uh, <laughs> Big Boss Man. Oh, Lord. Yep. And uh, then you have the other promo, which is definitely better. Yes. Of the Road Warriors and Big Boss Man. You know, I don't remember the particulars of what Bossman said, but I remember thinking at the time when he was saying it, not a bad promo from him. Yeah. 
And then you got Animal doing his shtick and tosses it over to Hawk. Well. And he does his thing. And it's, it almost doesn't even matter what they say because they're, they're so intense. In the they're way so they intense say. and they have such a look. And what were we talking about when they're cutting their promo? Those red spiked shoulder pads are the greatest thing. We all, every kid wanted one if they didn't have yes. one or if they pretended to have one. Like, yep. That's why they're a better tag team than Owen and Davey. Yeah. Look, sorry, <laughs> I mean, Owen and Davey wore red spiked shoulder pads. They'd be more over. Red ropes. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like red ropes. Just can't do it. No context, pal. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so in this match, uh, this was a Haas match. Yes, it was. They actually got out there. Have uh, you ever IRS s- is really the only guy that's not considered like a big guy. And he's a big and he's guy. He's not Small. My handy stretch. I mean, look at this kid. <laughs> Obo? Yeah. yeah. You don't know Bo. All you have to do is believe. If I wrestled a believed, you might have won this match. Well, I tell you what he did do. Fucking sweat. <laughs> oh my god. I think I think when Rick Rude was talking about all of the uh sweat all hogs. the sweat hogs, he was talking about Mike Rotunda. I, and just Mike Rotunda. Like he's referring to Mike Rotunda in the back. Yes. Holy! Like I, I thought maybe he dumped water on himself. I was like, am I being ribbed here? No, he was actually. That's just how he sweats. He is the most greasiest wet sweater I've ever seen, ever. I mean, to be fair, he is also wrestling in a suit and tie. That, is, that also sucks. That really sucks. Like, I couldn't imagine having to wrestle in that. Like, I thought he just legit walked out of a shower. It was fucking disgusting. Uh, and then uh, he and had the come. I'm the wettest wrestler <laughs> of all time. Yeah. Uh, who was stepping on his tongue? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, we had Heenan. With another zinger there. Yes, of uh, Big Boss Man was stepping on his tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this is red tie. Yeah. <laughs> but it just goes to uh, Heenan's genius here. Yeah, and of course, Gorilla, will you, you stop, stop it? it? Oh, wow. Uh, but I will say, yes, this is the last match, but it certainly wasn't the main event. Yeah, I mean... Because um, they're missing two key components, Mike. Macho Man and Jake the Snake were not as part of this match as part of their angle in the build up to this Tuesday in Texas. And it we're reptiles are barred. <laughs> they are barred. They are barred from ringside. All uh, reptiles. Even amphibians? Yeah, no. You oh. bring a frog. Oh okay, that's right. Yeah. Bullfrog. Yeah. Um British Bullfrog. <laughs> He's fooked. Yes. And uh, so what what happens in this one is uh IRS does get off a briefcase shot. And that's what takes out Boss Man. And then later, goes for the briefcase uh, shot on Animal with uh, Typhoon holding him. Animal gets out of the way. Typhoon takes the shot. Pin, one, two, three. And uh, Tensa isn't having it. He's not. He is beside himself. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to do a job, but I'm not going to stay. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it was a setup, damn it. Yeah. He did this to you. He did this to you. So he, he kept saying. So he walked. And, and I will say, it's a clever way to get someone out because what three or four or five Survivor Series matches every year. Yeah. 
you got to think of ways to get people out besides a pin. Yep. Besides a clothesline. And not everyone's going to take a finish. So I'm not mad at the way and he it left. Pro- and it protects them because down the road they're building towards natural disasters LOD. Right. So there so you go. So I, I was a fan of that of him leaving. It was uh, very creative yeah. in that sense. And I will say this is when we get into the one kind of downside is I really think they should just wrap the match up here. You know, have LOD get their stuff in and then pin. IRS. I mean, it's two on one. Yeah. Just get it over with. But IRS actually takes control of the match and gets a heat spot. And he's like controlling Hawk. And I'm just like, I don't. And he's still sweating. And he's still sweating. <laughs> like, he doesn't want to sweat no more. Yeah. Iron Mike Sharp would hate this. Yes. <laughs> and I just. I thought this is the match bogged down a little bit. The crowd's pretty tired by this point. Uh, they had the very emotionally powerful moment with Hogan and Taker. They've had, you know, they went crazy for the first match. They had Hogan or uh, Savage come out. They had Jake come out. I mean, this crowd's been through a lot tonight before this. And so I think they should have wrapped it up a little sooner. What they build to is uh, IRS walking out. Yes. And trying to leave just like uh, I almost forgot about that. And uh, who comes out to uh, stop him? Big Boss Man himself. Yep, the Guardian. The Guardian of the Gate. Yes. Uh, his later WCW name was the Guardian. <laughs> uh, he was originally the Guardian of the Gate. Maybe that's why they had to change that. <laughs> uh, boss Man basically forces him back into the ring. Yeah, with the nightstick. With the nightstick. And IRS is going to get one last ass whooping. Yep. And uh, he basically takes LOD's shoulder block, takes a power slam... And not a doomsday device, but a flying uh, clothesline. Flying clothesline, Hawk. Hawk, and that's ball game. One, two, three. Babyface team comes in to celebrate. Uh, the fans are, are cheering, but I mean, it's not like a Hogan pop. Oh uh, or... no, not at all. Um, LOD is holding up their tag belts. Yeah, you you got a babyface win to end the show, which is why this was the and, the end match. And that's such a Vince thing. Yeah, uh, in the early nineties. And for a while, that's how you want to end the show. Yeah. No dusty finishes here, pal. No. And so, what do you got for this match? I got a star in three quarter. Okay. Um, it was my least favorite match um, of the night, and it's too bad it has to go on last, but because it's missing those two key components yeah. and Jake and Macho. But I say that to say this because I didn't hate it. It just was my least favorite. Yeah. If that makes sense. I had this just a little bit higher than you. It's my second least favorite of the match. I had it a little better than the uh, the, the second match. The Mustafa, Berserker, Skinner, Hercules versus the Team America. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. With Tito. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had two and two five. Or two and a quarter. Okay. So um, we're the half star of each other. Yeah, I mean it was... We were both pretty consistent. We're, I think we're within a half star in each match. Other than me putting five on the... Oh, yeah. But the, that's that, I think that's yeah. a different scenario here. Uh, and so, I mean, it's, it was a good match. Uh, it was not a great match. And it got bogged down a little bit. I think if they would have just killed off IRS a little quicker, I think this would have been a better match. Yeah. And uh, one thing we had mentioned is, unlike Super Brawl 3, um, which you can catch in the archives... Yeah. It's already up. It's already up. This pay-per-view, Survivor Series 91, had a great flow to it. Yes. Like, I didn't want to go up and get a bite to eat or take a piss break. Like, everything they did, like, it kept my attention. And yes. that's what you want. There weren't the the real lows that 
Super Brawl 3 had. Those quick cuts to Bischoff, like not like... The Max Payne mm. stuff, yeah, there was nothing like that. I mean, even like the bad match, I mean, you and I put a star and a half on. Right. I mean, we didn't have any zero star or we one had, star. We, we had some duds know? on Super Brawl. Yeah. It was, but yeah, it was nothing like that here. Yeah. And so, let's talk about that closing segment, then we'll do give a letter grade and... Yeah, and so the closing segment, I actually had gotten up because I had forgotten about this. I don't know why I forgot about it because I've watched this so many times. But as soon as I saw the screen change, I came back. Yeah, you did. And it was in the catacombs. And this is a, this was a Coliseum home video exclusive. Because I don't actually believe this was filmed right then. I was thinking too, because he just worked the match. Was he going to do kinda yeah. do a vignette in the yeah. back afterwards? <laughs> but maybe it was. Uh because it was a commercial for Tuesday in Texas. Yeah. And so uh, it's Paul Bear, and he cuts a promo about how they're going to... Normally you would have a... Normally you would have a funeral service right after. Uh, but they're going to leave the body in the funeral home for the burial on Tuesday. And, you know, talking about preserving and embalming and all the, you know... Eviscerate. Eviscerate the flesh. I mean, just good stuff from him. But the, the kind of surprising part to me was actually Taker, Taker how well he talked yep. at this point in his career. And what he does is he takes Mean Gene over to the coffin. So I'm going to show you what's going to happen. That's a pretty good impression. It's Tuesday. And he, the camera cuts into inside the yep, coffin. Yeah, the camera's inside, and there's this green light that comes out. And he says, this Tuesday in Texas, there's going to be a burial. <laughs> End of the broadcast, Boom. and there was a burial. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It really was uh, with Triple H's shovel. Yeah, <laughs> Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, just an, an interesting little way to just put that last final touch on the show without end credits. <laughs> no end credits because WWE does not do that. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a great way to end it. Yeah. With like a vignette, like you really don't get that in modern day. Um, usually it's a happy go home in the ring celebration or maybe some kind of heat spot or some kind of dusty finish. They'll, they work their way into that yeah. later on. But this was a fun way to go out. Yeah. So what do you got for a full show grade here? Uh, I, I got a B. B? I, I think it's definitely solid. Uh, I'm pretty close. But I'm definitely looking at this with nostalgia mm-hmm. and just all the memories come flooding back. And I, I don't want to put it on, like, that top tier of, like, all-time great shows. I don't think it's on, you know, the level of, say, like, a WrestleMania 19, uh, you know, where it doesn't have any weaknesses. But this is, this to me is, like, a solid A-. minus. It, it means a lot to you. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons I am, I mean, like I said, I put a five-star on the, the Hogan-Taker match, even though it wasn't the cleanest match just because of what it did and what it meant and the impact and of the it. The real star rating was only a half, though. Well, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave Meltzer thought this show sucked. Actually, by the way, he gave a three and a half to uh, Bev's Rockers, Nasties, and Bushwhackers that match. He gave a three and a half to. So, like that match. Because, you know, Sean Nenas, I'm sure. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I give this solid A-. And, like I said, I'm looking at this with, with nostalgia. I'm looking at this through all the memories coming back. And it's just... It's a show that I come back to a lot. I mean, you have that, but the... You, you realize 
why you liked it so much. Yes. Why you have that nostalgia. Because those little things are lost. Yes. That means so much to the story. And yeah. that's why it's a B for me and it's an A- minus for you. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like we're super far off. It's not like you're saying it's the shits and I'm like, it's the greatest thing ever. So far in our deep dive series, this is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of the, the two shows. This is the better of the two shows. It really is. Um, might not have had a match quite as classic technically as uh, Super Bowl three, but definitely was a more consistent show. Yep, this, I think that's fair to say. This flow was very... Uh, on a, and the production was much smoother, even though it, it was really two is. years previous. No mini-movies here. No mini-movies. Unlike so. WCW, okay. but... Any final thoughts? Do you want to also, put a bow on this? Next time, we're going to we're gonna watch uh, some 2021 Monday Night Rawls. So oh. We'll review those. Deep dive. Let us know if you want us to cover AEW Dynamite tonight. Whoa. The Nick Gage show. Dynamite. MDK. I think what we're going to do is next time we get Hayes here, he's going to get forced to watch some uh, new stuff. Ooh. And some women's wrestling. I like it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe next time, I mean, maybe I'll get to pick, and I'll pick Takeover Brooklyn. <laughs> well, we'll we'll make it so that you pick it. Yeah, I'll ring it. Yeah, <laughs> because like Taboo Tuesdays, just like just like golf scores, it's all the work. <laughs> it's all work, pal. It's all the work. You, you don't need to know what the shoot score was. You don't need to show what the shoot draw was. Can you imagine what Hogan day. shoots nine? Yeah, nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, he shot a seven. <laughs> And that's an 18 holes, pal. Yeah. And uh, you know what? You, you got me. It's, I'm broken. It's done. It's over. And to that I say, you know what? Hulk Hogan in your neck? Don't piss me off. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pass this off to... Uh, we're out of time!